Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on autism. Answers. This is the place where we boldly go where no woman has gone before. We go into the world of autism and we just come up with stuff. We come up with some answers to some questions and today's question. Oh, I forgot to say, I am Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, a.k.a. the Brain Broad. There we go. New handle, the Brain Broad. Um, okay, so uh, today's, today's question and answer that we're going to chase is about divorce. Now, I sent out a thing on Facebook and said, you know, what would you guys like me to do a show on? And I got a bunch of people saying, I want you to just talk to people about divorce and autism. And so I put out a Facebook post. I thought, well, let's go to the peeps, you know, and rather than running around trying to find some uh, professional telling us what we think about our divorces, <laughs> I thought we could tell our own, our own story. So I sent a post out and I said, you know, I'm looking for folks who's, who are willing to step up to the plate and talk about their divorce, and I have to admit, I only got women. Uh, I'm not excluding men from this. They just didn't respond. Uh, that's not necessarily a statement of men. It might be a statement of the kind of people that follow me and my posts. So uh, let's not make, let's not, you know, take a brush and brush it across all men and say, they would not step up. They are afraid. But it is possible. Okay, so our first guest who's going to talk a little bit about her divorce, and I think we'll have the question be, Life after autism or life after divorce? Which is easier? Okay, Emily Goldstein is here to talk to us a little bit about life after autism or life after divorce. Which is easier? Hi, Emily. Thanks what? for being willing Hi. to chat. Let me just say thank you for being here. And then you please tell everybody who you are, how long you've been divorced, a little bit about your story, and whatever makes me interested, I'll ask questions. Yeah, my name is Emily. Uh, Emily Goldstein, and I've been divorced uh, nine and a half years. Okay. I um, got divorced at the same time I was going through the process of getting my daughter evaluated at age two. So it was kind of a scary time to be 35 years old and going through divorce. And Wait, wait, wait. so also- were you getting divorced because of the question of autism and the diagnosis and the process you were going through, or were you already having a hard time? Give us a sense of how the autism in the house was flavoring the tension in the marriage. I, I, you know, like so many, I believe there were already tensions there, but the autism definitely, um, I think, pushed it over the edge. Uh, I think men tend to, when they see a child, and especially their child, and I think that's the most important part of this, um, having issues that kind of mask itself in behavioral aspects that they tend to want to fix it with discipline. And also, I think it makes them question their manhood, where women are very different in the way they look at things. They want to fix it, of course, but they seek out out out-of-the-box options. They go to doctors, they talk to other parents. And I think that search on each parent doing it differently is what causes the budding of pets and what causes 
a major rift in the marriage and trying to get help for your child. So I don't um, hold any bitterness. Okay, so, okay, so Emily, you're, you're explaining it as in, you know, sort of in a general sense. Um, so what I want to know is for you, because we don't really know how it is for other men. You know, there's this urban myth about how, many, how, how high the rate is of divorce in families with autism, and actually when they study it, um, it's not really true. It's just an urban myth. So um, the rates of autism aren't that, or the rates of divorce aren't that much higher for people with autistic children or special needs children. In fact, they are a little lower in the young children age. Now, as they hit adolescence, <laughs> the number skyrockets. So if you step back and put the whole picture together, it, is, it does become true, but it's certainly not the way that it's told. So in your case, Give us an example of a way in which um, it was rocking the boat. Like a story. What was rocking the boat is because, uh, at least in my case, my husband at the time was placing blame on, on me for my child not being capable of doing certain things like speech and the behaviors that came with that. Um, blame was placed on me instead of looking outside the box for a medical explanation. And... Oh, I'm sorry well, about that. Yeah, and, and that's, a, that's a tough thing um, as a parent to have to, to go through is hearing someone uh, combating you and, and blaming you. And while well, I feel I'm one of the lucky ones that I knew it was not my fault that my child was not having speech, that my child was banging her head against the wall. I knew it wasn't something I was doing. But I think a lot of mothers don't know that it's not their fault. And I think that turns into a whole other issue um, with feeling this guilt and this blame. And I was very lucky that I knew something was wrong with my child and it had nothing to do with my breast milk. It had nothing to do with how I spoke with her. It had nothing to do with anything that I was doing or not doing. You were lucky because if you have somebody telling you it's your fault and you're so comfortable and able to see the truth and and continue to to seek advice and help. That's really... But I think that's, uh, that's I a, a lot of... I think that's a, an unfortunate thing a lot of mothers fall into, though, because do you don't know why your child is acting this way. And at least for me, now I'm 44. At the time, I was 35. The only experience I had with autism was watching the movie Rain Man. That's what I knew autism to be. Right. Autism didn't, didn't have that new face yet that was so spoken of. It was only people that repeated themselves over and over and over again and slapped their hands, and that was it. That was so the only thing autism. So, okay, so you were, you were in the process of getting the diagnosis, and at that same time your marriage fell apart. Um, were you in the actual process of divorce or just splitting up? No, I was actually going through my court um, appearances at the same time as bringing my child in for these long evaluations. So you had professionals telling you what was right in your life at every turn. Lucky you. (laughs) No, I was lucky, though. Um, I already knew at eight months something was different about my child, and I kept pressing medical help, and they kept telling me everything was all right. But, again, I was very persistent um, in saying this is not typical of a child. Eight months or not, you know, that I felt something was not right with my child. Um, so by the time two years of age came, when I was going through my divorce, um, back then that's kind of the age I started doing evaluation. That was considered right. early intervention. And three years old was the earliest you could get help for. That was 
I mean, now it's different. Now you can go 18 months age and get early intervention. I had to wait till she was three to get her in a full-time autism program. So what do you but, think? Do you, do you think um, that to the question of the day, life after autism or life after divorce, which one, which is easier to, to cope with, divorce I, or autism, and how do they relate? I think divorce is easier um, to overcome and you actually give focus, <laughs> uh, in my case, to direction I need to go with my child um, to get help. Autism, I don't think there is life after autism, and I don't mean that in the way it comes out. I think autism, autism is a continuous process of life. I think it's a way that I will always live my life with my child. As she makes progress or repressions, it's going to be part of our lives forever. There is no after. There's only a dirt. It's a journey that will continue on and on. Divorce has an end date, <laughs> and it's yeah, over. And, and what about visitation and stuff? Has that been a challenge, or did that work it, out? It was Tell a huge that. challenge in the very beginning. Um, probably like most fathers, um, he had to, very, a large amount of difficulty in relating to my child. So I remained in the same state for many years, probably four years before um, after my divorce and before I moved out of state, where he didn't even take her for overnights or anything. Now, four, you know, four years after that, I moved over a thousand miles away. And I'd say about twice a year she goes back to see him. And it's still a continuous problem, not so much as a transition for her, as so much we have difficulties with her getting her medications appropriately uh, and things like that when she does go to visit. It's still a continuous process that, at least in our case, her father has a huge problem dealing with her being autistic and following up on the different types of care that is required that's not in a typical child's life. Right. He still has trouble dealing with it. Well, I mean, it's hard. Let's, let's be honest. It's hard. It's, oh, it is hard. It and is I, hard. I know that when, uh, when I was dealing with, if I would go away to work and then I would come back. So I think that's sort of like a dad who doesn't, get the rhythm of the child and the family, and then all of a sudden they're right. taking care of them. Whenever I would come back, there was always this transition period. I'm like, okay, I know I had other people doing this job. Now I'm doing it, <laughs> right? And, it, and you always kind of uh, have to adjust. But I have seen, um, you know, a huge, a huge challenge when it comes to dads that had a tendency to blame because then they don't want to take on any of the decision-making that you've made. And has that played out for you? Yeah, well, I think that, not in all cases, but I think in many, that's how it plays out, that it becomes almost um, an attack on the manhood. And I think it's a very tough tale for a man to swallow that their own blood has something wrong with it and that there's steps to take to try to help it. And I think, and I'm not criticizing and I'm not putting down, um, but I think that's part of the problem. I think men tend to, by nature, want to discipline and that's how you fix things. And women, just by nature, want to nurture and fix it in a very different way than a man would look at it. And again, not putting either of us no, down I mean, yeah. of the genders, but I think it's a very inherent trait in men that, hey, this is wrong with my kid. Well, you know, discipline is how it's always been fixed in years previous and generation and generation, and that's how you fix things. Yeah, no, I, I think it's uh, true of many people, but it, it certainly is if you divide men and women into two groups, which you kind of have to do to talk about it. Right. Um, definitely more so for the male 
uh, instinct. Okay, so we're all almost out of time. I want to give you a, a, a go back to something you said and, and let you play with that before we say goodbye. You said that um, almost as a throwaway, you know, that in a divorce it gave you focus. And this is something that I certainly experienced. So I thought it would be nice if just before we say goodbye, you sort of address that. Like, did you find that, unless I've misunderstood your statement, did you find that after you divorced, you were more capable as a mom and more able to work with your child? Uh, yes. Because that's what it sounded like. It, I have to say yes. And I know that may not sound wonderful to a lot of people. Um, but it did, well, but wait a minute, wait a minute. There might be a lot of people out there in the middle of a divorce going, how can, and, and I'm come, hoping that they're listening, how can I survive it? How will I do without him? How will I, and in my personal experience, um, divorce was better. Yeah, divorce was better for me too. You know, when every day is a battle with autism as it is, every day is a struggle for a child that has to step into our world. That's a big battle. And then when you add complications with a marriage, it becomes too many battles, and you have to pick the battle that's more priority in your life that is going to make a change and a difference in your own lives. And for me, it was picking the battle with my child. Um, I was told my daughter would never speak. I was told my daughter would never read. She would never be more than she was when she was evaluated at age two. Well, while she doesn't talk like you and I, she reads, she writes, she's made honor roll twice. And I really credit that to me being one-on-one, getting her in autism programs, gave up working a full-time career, gave it all up. I didn't care if I had to eat peanut butter every meal every day for the rest of my life. Oh, I love you. Oh, (laughs) it gave me total focus. It really did. And I have to say, it wasn't just a divorce itself. It was having a child that gave me the focus. She's taught me more about what's important in life and what needs to be done to live happily than any person, any book I've ever read, any experience I've ever had. Well, the fact is, I mean, there's huge movements in spirituality and and everybody saying, be here now, be in the present, all these things. And the fact is, anyone who can give you focus and life direction and it's done with love did just save you. I mean, that is that is the, the plight of mankind. They're always walking around in confusion and, and inundated with all these horrible things on the news and everything. And here's your autistic child. You go, well, I have focus. I have a life goal, and I'm going to do it with love. Thank you, sweetheart. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for being here, Emily. And thank you for letting me speak and share. And I hope, you know, if it touches one person that's going through a rough time right now, not knowing if they can survive it, they can the child will help them survive it, whether they realize it or not. They can do it. Beautiful. All right. Well, that was Emily Goldstein, and we are just rocking and rolling today. You are listening to A New Spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, also known as The Brain Broad. Remember, folks, if you want to get a hold of me, please do not email Web Talk Radio. I don't see them. If you want to get a hold of me, it's mom, like your mom or your dad, mom, and then the number four, evermore. It reads mom forevermore. At Juno, like Juno, Alaska, J-U-N-O dot com. So that's mom forevermore at Juno dot com. And coming up, we have the... Okay, 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 it's time for the great guest giveaway. And our great guest giveaway guest is 
Christy Sakai. Now, before I get talking to her, um, I want to make sure that you remember to stay to the very end for Stories from the Road. Because that's where I'm going to take her question and find an answer and put it all together, I hope. You know, I'm always kind of spontaneous about that. I just say whatever comes to mind. So, so far, so good. It's been working out not too bad. One more bit of business. Fix It in Five, the, you know, the mini-series that I'm putting on the Autism Channel is almost complete. We're just doing the final sound edit. I will be sending it over to them probably in the next couple of weeks, at which point they'll probably use bits and pieces to create a buzz build before the show becomes available for viewing. Um, that's all still be fig- being figured out, and then there'll be you know, 10 episodes before I go and shoot the next one. Keep it in mind. Please seek it out, um, and I will keep you updated as to the progress of things. All right, Christy. Christy is. Remember, we're, we're trying to decide whether there's life after autism or life after divorce. Which of those is easier uh, to accomplish? And that's today's question. We're looking for answers, and Christy is, um, well, she's divorced. So she fits the bill. She's a single mother of three kids with autism. And she's also an author and a national presenter on autism. So that should mean that she'll be fantastic on radio. Let's find out. Hi, Christy. Thanks for being here. Hi. Thanks for having me. Okay, I'm putting you on the great guest giveaway, which means I think we should start by you telling, before we even get into the subject of divorce and everything, tell them about your book. Well, my book is called Finding Our Way. And I did write that when I was married, and I do discuss a section about how challenging it is to be married while having uh, children with autism. Um, Finding Our Way won the Literary Work of the Year from Autism Society of America. Um, it is not our life story. Our story it's, it's practical tools, solutions for things like bedtime and food and um, dealing with the school, and just trying to find balance in your life. But there are little funny stories throughout. I um, like to laugh with irony so that I don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> we have to do something. We might as well laugh. Okay, Christy, that's awesome. We're going to get you to give one of those away at the end. So um, right now, I loved your little, I did talk about how challenging it is. So it's neat that you wrote the book while you were still married and you mentioned the challenges. Let's get into that a little bit. What was challenging okay. about it? Um, what do you, you want to do? What you have was a challenging question? about it? Like what was it about raising, a, raising three children with autism, as if that's not challenging enough, what was it about raising three children with autism that taxed your marriage? Well, they say that the two most difficult things during marriage for, for people to work through um, have to do with money and raising children. And um, as if research needs to tell us, because we already know that if you have a child with autism, there is a, a great financial strain. There's a lot of stress. Right. And so um, the needs of the couple, this is just what happens as parents. The needs of the couple have to come secondary to the most vulnerable member of the family, the child, so having three who needed a great deal, and on top of that, my, uh, my husband has, was diagnosed after I wrote my book, or actually during, uh, with Asperger's syndrome also, 
he had not known his entire life and didn't occur to me. Um, and so all of that stress and strain of just trying to take care of all of the kids' needs and him trying to take care of his own needs and his needs having to take a back seat along with mine to the children's needs, um, were, it was very challenging. Well, and I mean, it, it, the diagnosis of Asperger's, which of course isn't existing anymore, but anyways, uh, it's, yeah. we did a show on that and how funny it is. But now you're all better because we're going to change the diagnosis. Um, but uh, it, it does create a lot of inflexibility in thinking, a, little, a lot of difficulty in multitasking and that sort of thing, and certainly you'd have to be able to multitask. So that must have been challenging for him. Extremely. Um, and for you to live with, with him not being able to flow with it while you're working with your kids, can you think of a story that would give us sort of a, you know, a, a bird's eye view into, or a peekaboo into a moment where you kind of went, okay, this isn't happening, this isn't working for us? Um, well, we, can, we made an agreement. My, my ex-husband um, became disabled. It, like a lot of adults with, with autism, he developed a lot of gastrointestinal kind of issues, and, and he it turned out he had Crohn's disease. And so we had to make a switch between me being the sole primary caretaker to um, him becoming, having to stay home while I took on more responsibilities outside the home to bring in income. And it was just too challenging for him, even two or three days a week, to manage their needs plus his needs, and I remember we had a, um, I didn't realize this was the end of my marriage, but, um, and we're very open about this, by the way, and he's fine with me talking about it, but him saying, I was like, I can't, I can't work and take care of the kids and advocate for them and listing off the things I was doing. And he said, well, that's your problem. And I thought he meant, well, that's your problem. And what he meant was, that's the problem. And um, just that inability for him, and in retrospect, not able to take on as much responsibility as I would have liked. Um, so I made a decision that, hey, I'm doing it all, so I'm going to go find a better school for my kids. I'm gonna, and he chose to stay where he was, and I chose to take them to a better school district. And that was kind of all she wrote. Okay, so let's let's get into the afterwards because part of the reason for the show, just to inform you, is that I I have put out a post saying, you know, what would you guys like me to do a show on? And there's a lot of people struggling in their marriages and and terrified of you know what's going to come after if they mm -hmm. split up and will the children die? <laughs> you know, like what's yeah, you know, it's the unknown world of we've been doing this together even if ineffectively and and now I'm afraid. And so let's address that a little bit. After splitting up, easier, harder, how'd you survive? Talk to the folks a little. Well, one of the things I did was plan for a a period of time making the decision before I just, I didn't just walk out in a huff and grab the kids and take them. Um, we discussed it a long time. We made some mutual decisions about our lives as individuals, but my focus was how can I make this a good transition for my kids? One of the things I did was to do research on the best school district 
because if I don't have as many challenges with the school, then I, that's going to free me up a lot more. And we lived in a rural school district that didn't offer many services, so I talked to people in the autism and disability field in my state, found out where the best, the school district with the best reputation, who had the best programs specific to my children's needs. I spoke to them. I took my children to tour the school, um, in which case it was the life skills program for my boys. I um, looked at what would be available to them in that area. I found an apartment very, very close, actually next door. I showed them what the good things about moving would be. And so everything was about preparing them and thinking about looking forward for them. And was that different than it would have been if you were working, trying to work through a similar situation with your husband? Or was that um, the way you would have normally done it anyways, it just you happened to be doing it alone? I've always had to explain to him what was coming next. It just didn't occur to me it was because of autism. I prime him, um, even now, okay, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to do it, this is what it looks like, and then if he needed to negotiate on something, we, we tried to do that. Um, we had a much harder time communicating during that time. Mm -hmm. And I put the children's needs above his. And right or wrong, that was my choice, was I've got these three kids entering adulthood soon. My daughter's now 13. The boys are going to be 18 and 21 next month. And they were, and this is about three years ago. So I'm like, they're poised on transitioning into adulthood. They don't have what they need. I've got to get that. I've got to make them the highest priority in my life. And so that's what I did. Okay. Um, and in, re in retrospect, how do you feel? Do you feel like you made the right choices? Do you, did it get easier for you once you guys split? Did it get harder? It got harder before it got easier. It got better for the children in the sense that they really did get fantastic programs, particularly the boys, fantastic programs, meeting their needs. Of course, there's a transition. I worked very closely. I found people I could work very closely with who were skilled. And um, it was very, very painful and difficult. And he and I were not able to communicate as well because there was so much emotion involved. But mutually, we wanted the best for our children. And while he knew, and, and he recognized, I can't do this. So there was no question that I would take the children. And, um, and he supported that 100%. And um, we weren't able to communicate to work together at first as to you know, that transition process. Over so, time, so you, I don't, go ahead. Well, you said that, you know, and then harder before it got easier, and this is a story show. So I'm going to ask you to dig in and come up with a story moment when you realize, oh, it's just got easier, or, yeah, this is this going to be okay. This, this was the right choice. Now, Did you have one fair, of those epiphanies? Absolutely. Um, there were times where we just, um, we cry, you know, we were both crying separately and angry and upset, and we just couldn't get through that emotional kind of until we really accepted, like, this really, we are really not going to be together, this really, but we are still parents. But there was, it's Styles' the third year. Very recently, I was able to say, 
hey, can you come to my house and can you babysit one child so I take the other to the doctor? And he didn't hesitate. He was at what time? And he showed up and he, he stayed here and um, there was no emotion involved. I had him, mean, he, we call it babysitting, but it's parenting. Um, but it was, it, before it was very emotional, it was very difficult, it was difficult right. to communicate. And I'm realizing that for me, I have had more compassion. I've been able to go, that clicked for me, like he couldn't do more. It wasn't a, just like he wouldn't, he could not. And I mean, so, I, think it, I think that's an interesting point. You know, you have a diagnosis to lean on and some illness that you can, you can sort of look at it and say, okay, he couldn't do more. But maybe that's always true. Maybe we're always doing the best we can. And stylistically, when you have two people together, one is willing to um, and able to uh, focus predominantly on the kids and, and has sort of a life goal or a, a place they want to help them get to and sort of has a vision, and the other one just is floundering. I don't know that you need a diagnosis for that to be true in a marriage. I think you're correct because when I am talking across the country or have, I've taken a back seat to my career great deal because now I'm a single parent. But um, I hear this from families who are still married, most of them. They're saying, I'm really, it's usually the mom. I'm, I'm spending all my time dedicating my time to the children's needs. My husband is working a lot of hours. And that's both a way to generate much needed income. And for some guys, it's a coping mechanism. It's too overwhelming. They don't consider that their territory. It just kind of naturally falls that way um, without a diagnosis, although many of these guys turns out on the spectrum. (laughs) Or women. In my case, it was me. So uh, what about um, what you've learned from this? What what was the gift that you got? And it sounds like life after divorce is happening. Um, And your kids are still struggling with their autism, so I'm going to take it as a life after divorce is okay. Um, Unless you want to contradict me. But what have you learned from it? Like what when you sit back and you go, okay, that was a big journey that I'm still on, uh, my, big, my biggest learning? Well, I think that we're afraid to take the leap for the things that are better because we're afraid it's going to get worse. And it gets worse. It does. It's hard. It's like um, jumping out of the frying pan into the fire for a little while. But if you prepare your children as best you can, you um, do your research about what's the best. But really, once I set that in motion, I'm like, just go. You know, you look before you leap and you just go and you'll catch yourself. You're going to be okay. You're, you're working towards a goal for the betterment of your family. And conflict is not fun. It's not fun in a school district. It's not fun in a marriage. It's painful. When you make healthy choices for your children, even if that includes divorce, it, I, I think it, it just gets better. And... Um, I see the results in my kids. They are doing well. Good. Good. So the lack of stress isn't... Actually, in my, in my opinion, building is better than bandaging. And that's true of governments. That's true of marriages. That's true of, you know, even if it means you have to demolish the building in order to build a new one, at least you're building. You're not, you know, you're, you're not going, oh, let's bandage, 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 and it's sort of rotting around you. Um, 
at least that's the way I see it. So talk to us a little bit about your – this is your opportunity to tell them what they're going to get if they, if they get the giveaway. What I have people do is just email me and put uh, the title of your book in the subject line, and if somebody emails and grabs it, I'll let you know and we'll, we'll send them one. Um, so tell them how much they want it. <laughs> oh, you want my book, Dad. No, I um, – uh, here I, am. I, I did write it in 2005, and um, it it has been just an amazing journey for for us, for me writing this book, um, because I was writing at the time very largely from experience on having read, you know, done research and read, but from real life. This is what it's like for us. This is what it's like for other people, and even now. So frequently, I see parents struggling with the same issues that I did when my kids, especially when they're very small, at the beginning of our journey, and they are asking the same questions. Same questions, you know, how do I get my kid to sleep, and is it okay that they're doing this, and um, I hurt so much that I can't get along with the school, and how do I make that better, and the same battles over and over, and... I go over those in my book with a lot of humor, um, but also very seriously with a lot of, uh, of ideas and suggestions. Um, I look at what I offer, whether I'm presenting or writing, is kind of like a potluck. Like, here are a whole bunch of ideas. Pick one of those for whatever works for you. And um, so that's what you'll be getting. Plus, there's some great illustrations um, that, are, that are fun. I mean, I think really it's so wonderful if you can just give the answers that you had to struggle to learn, if you can give them so somebody starts a little farther down the road instead of starting so far back, you know. That's right. Uh, it was my motivator for writing as well. It's like, look, I learned all this, and I had to live it to learn it. Let me give it to you. At least take on some of this, you know, so you don't have to quite go through quite as much. Um, all right, f- fantastic. The title of your book, how do they get a look at it, like online or something? Is there a link that you want them to go to or a website? Just share. You can go to aapcpublishing.net. Okay. And it's Finding Our Way. You can look under my name if you'd like, Christy Sakai, K-R-I-S-T-I-S-A-K-A-I. Um, it's also available on Amazon, um, Finding Our Way. Um, and then also I do have a Facebook page for my book called Finding Our Way with Autism, which is just a, a resource where people can, I get a lot of messages, people asking pretty simple questions that, you know, those of us who have been in the trenches a long time are like, okay, yeah, I've dealt with that. So they're welcome to contact me there as well. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Right, One last moment of a gem. I want you to give us a gem. If you could say anything in the world to make their lives better in relationship to divorce and autism, what would it be and what is it? Um, hang in there. Stay the course. Um, take care of yourself. It's really important. And it's okay to cry and be sad, but you do what's best for your family and then forgive. <laughs> and do a lot of forgiving because it's a hard process, but if you put your children first, if you both can put your children's needs first above your own, you're going to really be okay. Awesome. Awesome. And forgive yourself, too. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Thank you okay. for being here, Chrissy. So appreciate it. 
Okay, okay. That was Christy Sakai. That was our great guest giveaway guest, and she sounded awesome and interesting, and we are so lucky, and I'm stalling, 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 because now it's time for Stories from the Road. And my little mind is scurrying for a story from all the people that I go to see, all the families. I'm trying to come up with a husband and wife combination where I think that their marriage is working so well that they've got kind of a unified approach. And and a few came to mind. So it's not like a wasteland of nothingness out there. A few came to mind, and a couple of them have actually been on the show. I have uh, one family in particular that I'm thinking of, uh, where they they did group sleeping, you know, the whole our family co-sleeping, and uh, they had the two kids and the mom and the dad, and then a big huge mattress on the floor, and they all slept together. And we we talked about that on one of the shows, and they work really well as a unit, but they still had lots of problems. I can't come up with in my mind any families where you go there and you go, wow, they've really got the rhythm figured out. Um, a couple come, and then I go, oh, yeah, no, no, no. So in trying to give you a story from the road, maybe the lack of a story is the story from the road. I do travel all over the world. I do see all different cultures, and I do see lots of people making a great attempt at being parents while dealing with autism. And I rarely if ever, see the two parents be on the exact same page with the same goals and the same wishes. And ironically, I have many stories where as the child got better, the marriage fell apart. And that's really in keeping with when you look at the numbers. Uh, While the kids are little and everybody's sort of focused on do what we can, get an early intervention, this is our job, this is our responsibility, we actually don't have high numbers of divorce. It's when the kids get older and it looks like they're going to end up in a group home or going to end up independent or going to end up with you forever. Um, and, And the responsibility or the glue that binds starts to lessen a little. Um, or the exhaustion or the overwhelm <laughs> grows too big, uh, the marriages seem to fall apart. So what's my story from the road? Our question is, is there life after divorce, life after autism? Like, which is easier? Well, in my case, I did find that divorce made life easier. I did it. I found it so much so that I did it a lot. <laughs> I sort of got divorced like following the, mess, the instructions on a shampoo bottle, you know, divorce, rinse, repeat. Um, so I, I have to admit, I kept thinking the, the nuclear family was the right way to go, that it would take two, that I had a big load, and it really should be that way. But it never was. It was always easier if I could focus and make decisions without having to funnel those decisions through somebody else. So perhaps it sounds as if I'm saying get a divorce. But here's the thing in my story from the road. What I learned is kind of the opposite. When I would travel and uh, go work with somebody, and my daughter, as she got older and became the helpmate, uh, would, would stay with my son who is still at home. 
where my first husband moved back in into the house and we ended up working together and and helping each other and I filled his needs in in ways of you know he had an economic crisis and um and then he stayed home with my son and uh I started to discover something that I had avoided seeing and maybe that's today's lesson what I discovered was it was really important that I leave, that I let go, that I not be the only voice. Because while I was the only voice, my son only listened to my voice. While I was the only voice, my son only knew how to be around me and be comfortable around me and speak as clearly around me. So though I was extremely good at what I did with him, and helped him tremendously, I helped him so much that he was at a hugely different level of functioning when with me than with others. And that meant that it wasn't really his skill. It was his skill while with me. Almost like a kind of prompting dependency, only there was no prompting going on. So though it may be easier if you divorce to know where to lay the priority in any given moment. I want to caution you to keep people in your children's lives because they need to practice what they're learning with someone else who doesn't know as well as you do how perfectly to behave. Get your kids out in the world. Get your kids with the extended relatives. Get your kids with dad or mom who is not doing it as well sister, brother, and let them practice and then help everybody learn a new way because it's the only way to truly generalize anything that's happening. So if you need a divorce, get a divorce. I'm not saying stay together either. I'm saying be stress-free even about the problems. The problems are part of the lesson. All right? That's today's answer. I hope it's of use to you. My name is Lynette Louise. I'm your story teacher host, a.k.a. The Brain Broad. This is a new spin on autism answers. And thank you for being here. Because without you, I'd just be talking to myself. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of A New Spin on Autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear you.